Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are, you know, delighted to be here once again for this beautiful sacrament meeting where we're continuing to discuss simulation and simulacra, but this time we are Samuel the Lamanite up here on the wall preaching to the church itself. That's right, uh, ex-Mormons, we're coming for you. Uh, Bishop has prepared a wonderful presentation, and of course, as... um, I was going to say as always, but you're not always here, but uh, you are here presently taking another week off uh, from being the assassin of the Lord, and that is Brother Porter Rockwell. Welcome welcome back. Appreciate it. It's good to be here with you both. And uh, perfect. Well, with, with that, I'm going to turn the time over to Bishop Jensen. Please, um, if you oppose anything uh, that we say during this episode, please uh, visit with the stake president after this or email us at unmormon at gmail.com oh yeah and i think hey, maybe we should even say trigger warning like if you're fresh out of the church maybe skip over this episode because yeah. you got to be away from the church for a while to start being reflective on yourself as an ex-mormon and say man i'm sorry for what i said as an, a mormon now i'm kind of sorry about the things i said as an <laughs> ex-mormon yeah yeah <laughs> so i think like we talked about We've talked about Baudrillard. We've talked about the desert of the real. And so when you leave the church, you enter the desert of the real, the the chasm of nihilism. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to rebuild and restructure your reality. And I think the first rebuilt reality and hyper-reality you build is this ex-Mormon reality. And in the reality of ex-Mormonism, the church is insidious and evil. It can never do anything good. It has the never, ever done anything good. It's the eye of Sauron. It is Smaug. It is every bad guy who has ever been in anything. Um, and I mean, one thing that illustrates this is like the evil stake president in Under the Banner of Heaven, mm-hmm. where he has like his total character shift, where he's like, brother, can you release these men into my care? Andrew Garfield's like, no. And then he's like, all of a sudden, like, it's dark like shadows looming. come over his eyes and it's <laughs> ominous music. And he's like, remember your covenants and to protect the name of it. And I'm like, guaranteed this conversation did not happen. Well, and I think it, it's the way that it's presented to right? Like the music and the lighting and everything. If you change the lighting, it wouldn't. It, I t- like, wouldn't I don't know bad, if there's but... any true believing Mormon who's smart enough to be a crook. Right. I just well, don't. <laughs> I don't know all of all of those MLMs I, and stuff, but they're not like they're not true believing Mormons. Like those are crooks, right? <laughs> okay, but, like just so, your regular now, like Dudley Do Right state president saying. who's out there to like magnify his calling and serve the Lord. He's not smart enough to. Now what you're to saying be a villain is that any any Mormon <laughs> who actually behaves badly isn't actually Mormon. They're not actually a believer. They're too smart. Yeah, but what about, like, the Lafferty's? Yeah, they weren't real Mormons. They were, like, hyper They hyper believed Mormons. it, though. They believed it. They, yeah, but they were excommunicated. They were in their own break-off fundamentalist sect, right? Like, regular Brighamite Mormons are just like, I'm here to serve my neighbor and the Lord. Yeah, but they... Going to the they, corn bust and having green jello. They were Brighamites, so, though. <laughs> they were, but they weren't anymore. Like, they thought too much and they read too much. Yeah, yeah, but they they believed it. Like, that's prerequisite for not being a Mormon is, like, reading and thinking about what you're reading. Brother Porter, break this up. What do you you think? (laughs) 
I still think the church is true and polygamy is the way to go. <laughs> You're barking up the wrong tree. No, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It, yeah. I, I mean, I, because I, I feel like there's a naivete, right, that comes with being a true believer Mormon in a way. I don't mean to, yeah. I don't mean to, how do I say this without offending people? I think if you really are in that mindset, right, I can see where it'd be hard to commit a crime because no one's going to give you a guidebook on how to commit a crime. I feel like these people that I see live the life so letter of the law are just literally following every single direction right. the church gives them. So I could see where they wouldn't, you know, deviate and never commit a crime because they're just on the path. But I guess they have mental health disorders. I mean, I don't know. There's so much that factors right, into, right? Right. But, like but, Andrew Garfield. But I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, the people who are believing are just, they're hyper-focused yeah, yeah. Right on just the, the rules. Like, like, that is Andrew Garfield and under the banner of heaven. He's like, I do my family home evening and my family prayers before I come to work and I pray to the Lord and blah. And they're like, what about blood atonement? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like he's perpetually in a faith crisis in the movie <laughs> yeah. as he learns these things because he's just like, I've just been trying to be a good Mormon. I wear my white shirt and got my eternal smile. Like, yeah. Yeah. I go to the temple. Oh, now I don't, Oh, I don't know about, and he's constantly in this like crisis of conscience over, Things that really aren't a big deal to an outsider, like, right? Should I tell the truth in this press conference about whether or not we think fundamentalist Mormonism is related to the homicides? Right. It's like that's like not an issue, but he's in a crisis of conscience over it because he's just a sweet, dough-headed, cornbus kind of guy. Yeah, I think. Okay, so I, th I, th I think the the bottom line of it is that you can tell "Under the Banner of Heaven" was written by an ex-Mormon. Because it's it is yeah. presenting even if, yeah, obviously like the stake president is going to be concerned about the name of the church, right? But he might not say it so menacingly, right? Mm -hmm. He might not be requesting to take these you know suspects into custody, right? Um, like the the whole way he leverages the covenants, it's like yeah, he probably would leverage like remember what you promised in the temple, yeah. But it's not showing how they leverage that to get you to clean the toilets on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Like right. It's not this like last resort thing to get you to do something, you know, where you might feel like you're doing something unethical. They use that all the time. They use that with church employees. They're like, remember your covenant to serve the Lord when we ask you to work on Saturday? Mm hmm or when we tell you we're not paying you overtime or whatever other dumb shit they get church employees to do, you know, or is an excuse to pay you less than market or whatever. Like they use it all the time. Yeah. They use it so much that it's not sinister when they use it. It's just, this is how we get people to do stuff in the church. Yeah. This is persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like shooting under the banner of heaven. What was interesting is I, I don't like the stake president was very much kind of like an evil villain type, you know, mm -hmm. personality mm -hmm. in some ways. But I also feel like that's probably not an unfair representation of what a lot of leadership may have been like in the 50s and 40s, just very paternalistic, very you know, almost condescending. I'm not saying that. I mean, I wasn't alive then. I don't know. Well, I but think it does seem now. like what they're doing in some ways is kind of like tying in some cultural things that probably were realistic for maybe the past, but they're like inserting them in today's world. And I've, I've never had anyone that aggressive or, or, or I mean, at least not in my experience that have been quite that. Awful, I, I yeah. guess. Like, it, yeah. I, I, I agree. That the leadership was decades I, ago. I don't know. I agree that there are shitty state presidents. A shitty state president contributed to my exit from the church, like I've discussed in previous yeah. episodes. But he wasn't a villain. 
Right. And I, you know I, okay. what I mean? He, <laughs> and I, 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 yeah. I, th- yeah. I think we should back up here for a second too, uh, yeah. just to let people know this is part three of uh, simulation and simulacra. You might want to listen to the previous two episodes before listening to this, because that'll give you very important context to what we're talking about, which is basically that ex Mormonism has its own simulations um, in which we exist and our own realities that we are creating. Um, so maybe go back and listen to those two before tuning into this one. But I do want to add um, with, like, with the stake president oh, thing, I think a lot of the time, um, like it's, it's not intentionally um, malevolent, right? Like the, the stake president does care about the name of the church, does realize like, oh, this can actually be bad for the name of the church. That makes sense, right? Like, I mean, my stake president that I had when I went through the temple, he like was about, he literally, and this, this is manipulative. He had his pen about to sign the temple recommend. I passed all his questions. You know, I was doing everything right in my life that the church was asking. Uh, You know, it was like the one temple recommend interview where I, zero lies, you know, it was all true. And Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's got his pen hovering over the temple recommend. And then he stops and he leans back. And this is really literally what happened. He leans back and he closes his pen and he, he says, have you gone on a mission? Are you planning on going on a mission? Have you thought about a mission? And he asks me, you know, why not? Have you? And he kind of grills me a little bit. I'm like, holy cow. Like I have done everything they have asked except for go on a mission because I'm 21 now. I'm kind of feeling like that's past me now. Not really into it. And I don't think it's appropriate to serve a mission like who am I to go knock on somebody's door, right? And tell them their God isn't real, but mine is. And, yeah. uh, and, and so, yeah, like he, he sat there and he grilled me for, for a bit, uh, about a mission before he was like, okay. And he literally, he's like, I'm going to sign this, but I want you to think about a mission. Right. Um, and so not malevolent, but like, you know, use, using his power, right, mm-hmm. um, to, to support what the church wants. And what the church wants is to not have, uh, not have murderers in its ranks and not have negative PR going on. And yeah, so I, I, think, I think in that regard, but I, I also, I get what you're saying that um, uh, this is, even though the church president, the, the reality is, the stake president cares about this stuff. And then mm-hmm. the further removed that is, is like the church pres the stake president is aware of, you know, the danger and aware of his power and going to use that as leverage. And then the further removal from that is under the banner of heaven, this representation of a stake president who really cares about this and is going to, you know, do this abuse of power to try and save the name of the church. Like, the state yeah. president I had definitely, it was like an abuse of power, but at the same time, and I've talked about this in some of our earlier episodes, like made me feel like garbage because he made me reconfess to sins that I'd already repented of. Yeah. And it was definitely, yeah. there was an imbalance of power, but he was part of a system that was created by the church. Mm-hmm. And really even like the leaders, I don't think the, the leaders are trying to 
make sure that people are going on missions worthily mm -hmm. and they don't realize the implication of the things that they've done. Yeah. But as I was leaving the church, I contextualized the state president as a villain, as one of the most evil people, because he was doing all this harm and he was doing it in the name of God. And that made it even worse. And it was absolutely disgusting. And like, I remember my wife saying like, what will it take for you to let it go? And I'm like, when he sees the extinction of his family line, and then he dies, and then I piss on his grave. He, it, the suffering will have been intense enough. Yeah. Totally. That's um, all. Yeah, that's, that's all. It. That's all. <laughs> that's all I want is for his suffering to be complete and absolute. And then he dies, and then I desecrate his grave, and then he will have paid enough. And that, like, that was a stage of anger. And now as I look back, I'm like, yeah, he is kind of a dickhead, but he's not a villain. Yeah. You know, he's not evil. Yeah. yeah. He was he My, was abused by a yeah. system I was abused of to be a dickhead. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's leaving, the struggle I had with my own family even. It's right. like they say these things and they can be so caustic and mean, but you're like, okay, okay, I gotta step back. I have to be understanding that they don't really necessarily I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just I wouldn't believe they don't want to hurt me as much as they think they're helping me. They think they're mm -hmm. just towing the line of what God wants and I think that's a really hard position to be in as an ex-Mormon too. When you have family or friends, it's like you want to try and preserve obviously the family relationships, mm -hmm. but you're always in that position of, I feel like having to be very understanding and forgiving because you've been where they're at, you've gotten out, they're not there, but yet you're kind of getting abused still by this, you know, simulacra or simulation they live. And, and it's like, you just have to have, and that's why I think it's hard. They always act like, you know, you can leave a church, you don't leave it alone. It's like, yeah, but, I'm still getting poked a lot. You know, yeah. I still have a lot of like things that trigger me that I'm not asking yeah. for. Like I can't get away from it because yeah. my family's still in it or like, I, I don't know. Like, like I was thinking the other day, I'm so glad. I don't mean to say it's, it's a bad thing, but I thought, man, you know, people that went to Brigham Young University for undergrad or graduate school, then they get out of the church. I mean, there's got to be something just frustrating about that when it's on your resume. And it's mm -hmm. not that it's, I mean, it's a good school. It's very prestigious. I mean, it has a good reputation, but just that to disassociate yourself from the church and get your name taken off the records, but that you still have a degree from a Mormon institution, like things like that. Yeah. And just say, Oh, well you can, you know, leave the church, but not leave it alone. Well, there's things I think we have in our lives that just are going to constantly be there as a trigger. And I think sometimes you don't get appreciated for how much we do become understanding of these things. Cause you, you know, you can only, I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say and do when you're just being triggered by stuff a lot, you know, in your yeah. life. But you make a podcast help other people who are hurting. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of jokes. Um, and then turn the gun on yourself and say, here's all the dumb stuff I did while I was leaving the church. Yeah. But I think like there is a, you contextualize and create the simulated reality of the church being this, this caustic, evil, like malevolent corporation where really, I think they're just, yes, it does cause harm. Like I'm not dismissing that, but do they intentionally cause harm? No, I think they're the bond traders in the subprime yeah. mortgage crisis, they've created this simulation that they don't even understand themselves and they, they hurt themselves yeah. and other people by being a part of it. Yeah. And they're, you know what I mean? Um, but I think there's yeah. a, there was something that I saw and did I talk about this already? The comment on the subreddit? No. Right. So somebody on, on Reddit recently said, did anybody ever hear this story about how, like when you get to the celestial kingdom, people ask you, what prophet did you live under? And some people say Nephi and some people say Moses. And then you'll say, I lived under Gordon B. Hinckley and a hush will fall all over the place and people bow in reverence because you're part of the greatest generation ever. 
And I remember hearing that and seeing that in like chain letters and stuff like that. And then I also remember that the church put out a publication signed off by, by the first presidency saying like, do not allow this story to be repeated in Sunday school from the pulpit or anywhere. And so somebody responds by saying, yeah, I heard that story, but the church actually put out an official publication. Fair Mormon even actually has a copy of it here. And then somebody comments back and says, well, they're forgetting everything the church said about promised generations of blah, blah, blah. It's like this person can't accept that the church for once tried to correct the record on something. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, the church will always, always, always bury things down the memory hole and never admit to anything. And if they do admit to it, they're not really admitting to it. Like in their mind, the church cannot do anything right yeah. ever at any time. Yeah. I think, I think another thing with the, it's the way some people talk about the church's charitable giving, right? Mm-hmm. Church has given more money than I will ever give to genuine charitable causes. Yeah. It's not as much as what they could yeah. give or as what other people think they should give. Mm-hmm. But they've given more than I ever will, or probably anyone that I know ever will. But they can't say, do you know what? The church actually has done some good in the world. They have to say the church hasn't done as much good as what I think they should do. Mm-hmm. And so they create yeah. the simulacra of the church. This church that should be like the Methodist church, or this church that should be like some other church. Yeah. And then they compare the church to that church. And the church will never be as good as this simulated church that I've made that the LDS church should be like. And therefore, will always fall short in every way, and will never do anything good or altruistic. Yeah. Ever. Period. Yeah. 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 It's you know we as ex Mormons create our own own reality and perception of the church, and we use buzzwords that just get repeated and repeated around. And you know how many people can point to the source where that comes from, right? Oh, you know it's the same thing you know, kids in seminary, they say this and they say that because they were taught to say this and say that they don't have the source for it, Yeah, <laughs> but we don't either. Right. Like, yeah, we just, like, Oh, well, I, I read it on an Exmo subreddit post once. Right. One, one thing that actually ended up extending my time <laughs> in the church was I read letter for my wife. Mm-hmm. And one thing the guy talked about at the end was tithing and pay your tithing before you can feed your family. And he uses a bunch of ellipses. And I went back to the talk and that talk that he's referencing talks about how like this person's parents uh, paid their tithing instead of feeding their family, but they received a lot of assistance from the church bishop's storehouse. Mm-hmm. And the author of Letter for My Wife intentionally skipped over the part where the guy talks about the family receiving financial assistance, albeit in exchange for tithing. Mm-hmm. But Which he makes the church seem luck. more menacing than what it actually is. The church does help its membership for a fee but it does help its membership. Yeah. But he just says, yeah, the church makes you pay your tithing before you feed your family. And I was like, okay, he's using the ellipses that everybody accuses fair Mormon of using. Yeah. And he's just used it now. And I was like, he's just as much a piece of shit as what they are. So I'm going to keep going to church for a while. <laughs> and and John Delin did the same thing in one of his videos when he was trying to do like a Mormon, Mormon teaching spotlight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he used the ellipses and he didn't give the full context of the talk, but that is perpetuated as a meme among Mormons that the church will like make you starve to death. Yeah. Where I remember like bishops just doling out rent checks and grocery checks and paying for people's five cats, you know, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. 
and and then there's been bishops on the other side of that who are like, okay, we'll pay for your rent, but you have to come clean the church every day. Right. I, but it when they just oversimplify it to that, pay your tithing before you feed your family. There's a whole nuance there, and and more ex Mormons love throwing the nuance. You know, I'm nuanced, and I think more nuanced, and I can be more nuanced about everything except for the Mormon Church. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 What's well, so I think you know like. I feel like you know, there's obviously going to be crazy people no matter what, in any, any religion, any any socialist situation you're in. And I look back at the church, I like my mission. That was one of the best experiences of my life because it helped me get my life on track. I never would have gotten through school, grad school. Everything I did afterwards was because I had gotten this, like, the study skills, the the routine, you know, the – and it really wasn't even about – being Mormon, it was, I could have gone to the military and gone to like a really aggressive boot camp, but it just gave me a regimented schedule and a routine to where I got home. I could just continue that. You know, I needed that. I needed that change in my life and I'll always be grateful for that. And I've also had incredible people I've met who were Mormon that were bishops. You know, I had a fantastic bishop when I was going through my divorce that, I mean, he was better than a therapist I could have gone to. Like he just, cause we had that commonality. He understood kind of what I was going through, which is the religious background and he was just an amazing guy. And there were times when he would call me and say, hey, I feel really inspired. And it would be like the perfect time to get a text from him or a call when I was at a real low point. And I think for me, I thought, man, this guy really seems to be in tune with the spirit, you know. And I, I look back at those moments and I don't want to demonize it and say, well, it was all this bullshit, you know. But mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I don't. So, like, obviously, I, I don't agree with the Mormon church. I've gotten out. But. It is hard to look back and go, all of it was bad. I just can't do that. I can't yeah. say that at all. And, you know, when I was 14, I was my Eagle Scout. That's like my Eagle Scout when I was younger. So one of my projects was to go to the food storage and, you know, canned food. And the, the church donated all this food is with my Eagle Scout project to a homeless shelter. You know, we helped a lot of people. And, and I look back and I'm like, man, there are some really amazing people I've met over the years. And, I've, you know, some I've still kept in contact with. It's just sad when you throw in the Mormon side and you the rules and all the simulacra and simulation because that's where it's just, you know, it just goes crazy to me. But it, it's hard to be an ex-Mormon and I don't want to be in that, like a lot of others, I see that just the anger is so overwhelming and the bitterness is so overwhelming. You can't see any good and you just kind of throw the whole thing out like it's all bad. And I, I can't do that. I can't say that everything was bad. But, you know, there's – but that's more of like the people versus the actual doctrine of the church, you know, that I look at. Right, right. And I, th- I think that's why you have to, you know, you can, you can take apart different aspects of it, right? And I think when, when we in, you know, ex-Mormondom talk about, um, talk about the church, like it's all negative. It, every, all of it's bad. You know, mm-hmm. we do a massive food drive in Calgary every year, the church does, and, uh, and everybody participates. It's like a big deal. And literal tons and tons and tons and tons of food gets donated from people all over the city. And, uh, and it's like an actual really good thing that the church puts on and that the church does. And, uh, and you know, yeah, okay, so, oh, the church is making other people donate their food and, you know, the things they've the worked hard for. The church is only doing for. it for good PR. And... Right, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But, yeah. okay, like, yeah. but they're doing it and the people who are doing it like the the young men's leaders i had and me and my siblings who participated in this all growing up we weren't doing it you know for good pr we were doing it because like hey this is like a good thing to do and i get to go ride in the back of my 
15 passenger van and jump out while it's moving and run up and throw the food in the back as we go and pick stuff up. Right. Like it's, you can still have good memories from your time in the church. Like that's allowed. Yes. So like with the big short, going back again to the big short, just being this example of a simulation run wild, the guys who shorted the, the subprime loans, they didn't short the subprime loans because they thought banks were evil. They didn't do these things because they thought banks were corrupt. They did it because they, I mean, Michael Burry dug in and looked at the loans that made up the mortgage-backed securities, and he realized that after the teaser rates expired in 2007 and 2008 that there were going to be huge defaults. He found the actual facts. And so he was existing in reality um, when everybody else was running wild. So when we throw out things that like the church is only doing this for PR, we don't know. We don't have board meeting minutes saying that like the church is going to do the food drive because we believe it'll be an excellent PR opportunity to expand the good name of the church. And even if it is like, is that really a bad thing? Yeah. You know and what the I people mean? People on the ground don't feel like that, right? So why? Like yeah, the, the people on yeah. the ground aren't like, boy, this is going to be great PR, right? Because yeah. it's interesting. Like yesterday, just looking at the the situation we're in with an overheated stock market, inflation, looming interest rate hikes. It's easy to be kind of in a mindset of maybe I need to maybe I need to short everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to sell everything. Maybe the world is heading for another apocalypse. Um, but I was listening to Warren Buffett. One thing Warren Buffett said was um, when people get greedy, get fearful. And when people are fearful, get greedy. And so what he's saying is, is um, when the market's afraid and selling off, that's when you should be buying everything. And uh, and when, when everybody is going buy, buy, buy crazy, that's when you should be weary. Mm-hmm. And that kind of balanced me out a bit in that I'm just getting overwhelmed with fear about the market, but I don't have any real facts or evidence to suggest. I don't know what bubble's going to burst. I don't know where to take a short position. I'm just saying, Hey, there was a crash, you know, in my lifetime and there were crashes before that, but I haven't dug into the real reality. I'm falling for a simulation as much as what anybody else is Mm -hmm. and maybe balance that a little bit, trying to eliminate your fear and your own bias um so anyways when you're when you're leaving the church it's easy like when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail so you're leaving the church and everything about the church is negative mm-hmm. and it's like is it really as negative as what you think it is or or have you just created this fictional church in your mind yeah right well and and i mean we we talked about uh something similar to this uh several weeks back as of the the day of this recording it's uh the episode that came out today on june 26th um is finding a new religion right and Mm -hmm. for a lot of people that's ex-mormonism is the new religion tearing the Mm -hmm. church down is the new religion right and and we get so obsessed with it i mean you listen here on on this show we try really hard to make sure that we're laughing about ourselves. We're talking through our experience. And uh, sometimes it's really painful. Sometimes it's funny, right? But we're, we're just talking about it and we make it really casual. But then there are other podcasts uh, in, in this ex-Mormon sphere that 
really are just like angry, you know, and just like hoping, hoping that some Mormon will stumble along their podcast and listen and just have their testimony shattered, which like, it's not, they're not going to listen to you when you're angry about it, right? Like being just as evangelical about ex-Mormonism is just as bad as being evangelical about Mormonism. Like, like just don't. Yeah. Tell it's me there was not. Anybody. Yeah. Tell me there was not. Yeah. A complete tonal shift in Mormon stories after John Dillon got excommunicated. Yeah. Like with every listen, every, every episode I listened to, that wound was very, very deep for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still raw. And, and you can tell. Understandable. The church hurt him. Understandably hurt him. I, but he tries to continue to go back to this. I'm just trying to present the information to the church to members who may be uninformed because I believe in informed consent. And that's become like the simulacrum simulation he's created yeah. is this word of informed consent yeah. that masks that has become hyper real for him. I yeah. think in that he cannot just say, do you know what the church excommunicated me when I was trying to help it? And now I don't care if I burn the thing down. Yeah. Like I can't stand Mike Norton, but I respect how transparent he is in his intent. Yeah. To absolutely burn Why the church down. Him? Right. That's yeah. new name Noah, Mike Norton. Yeah. Oh. That guy wants to destroy the church, and he's completely transparent about his intentions and everything he does. He he lives in no simulation. Yeah. yeah. He has not created some kind of thing. <laughs> he is 100%. This, I think this thing needs to be destroyed. Yeah. And I think he's obnoxious. Yeah. I think sometimes he's terrible, but you got to respect his transparency. Yeah. You're going to say Brother Porter? No, I, I just, I, and I think it's funny because it's like you think about that. Maybe it was because he was fueled by anger, and suddenly that's where his, you know, momentum was. And I think that's what's so scary and a little bit dangerous about the internet, right? Is if you're in a bad place and you're just angry. And I know when I first got out of the church, I was angry. You yeah. know, I mean, I still have some anger, but yeah. And I think about how many like nights I spent on the ex-Mormon subreddit, you know, and just the things you can find, and you don't. And I think subconsciously you don't even realize that that's really where you're focusing all your research and you're going to find anything to support anything you want nowadays i feel like online and, and that's been the struggle for me is you kind of get past the anger phase and you pull back and you kind of can go okay yeah it isn't all bad but that's that's a process even now i'm not you know i can't say i'm 100 percent healed but it's tough because i think you know there is a lot of anger when you leave a church and then there's a lot of information that's fueled by anger out there on the internet and so i think you kind of get the blinders on real quick when you first get out yeah and just feel like there's nothing good about any of this the whole thing was just bullshit you know and then just, just you want to see it like burn and fail you know yeah. and it, i don't know that's that's a tough i don't know what the answer is honestly like for the cooling off period where you finally can kind of get back can't really talk about the stages of grief but yeah i don't know that's a hard process to go through initially to not have such an angry view towards just the entire church itself and what it was you know yes yeah. and we've we've talked about how there is no anger anger phase how every time somebody brings up something yeah. that is, is painful for you to deal with in regards to the church like it's upsetting and some people and it, and it's different things for everybody right i i talk to some people um like i have i have one friend who's told me like they don't really believe in the book of mormon they're just kind of like i'm like christian and this is my christian church this is where i was raised it works for me you know and then i have other other friends who they're like, no, the Book of Mormon is true, but the prophets are effing wrong about like the whole family proclamation thing, you know. Um, but I'll I'll mm. still keep going to church because like it's you know everybody has like these different things that they latch onto and that they don't and that sticks with them. And it's the same thing in ex Mormonism, 
right? We're going to have the things that get us fired up and the things that we're like, why does anybody care about that? Like I've told uh, some people before, like, I think that some people's reasons for leaving the church, I'm like, that's why you left? Like, are you, are you serious? Like you left, I'm like, don't get me wrong. It's not true. Like mm-hmm. you should leave. Everybody should leave. But like, that was your reason. Come on, you know, like, <laughs> and, and so I think we continue to tell different stories and uh, we, we create our own reality. For some people, the church is uh, this absolutely evil thing, period, full stop. For other people, yeah. it's um, evil in other ways. Right. For some other people, they leave because it's not true enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but, but we we continue to develop that reality even once we've left. Because, yeah, we can't leave it alone. So one thing you're <laughs> you're asking, Brother Porter, like, what do you do? What's the cooling off period? I, there was this book written by a member of the church. It was called Willpower is Not Enough. And like our bishop gave it to like every young man. But it was basically like it was focused on like overcoming pornography and masturbation, right? Like that was the focus of the book. Um, And so we all had to read it. The only thing I remember from it was that it wasn't enough to white knuckle and, and stop doing something. You had to replace it with something else. And so now leaving the church, Mm -hmm. that's the thing I think about Mm -hmm. is if I want to leave ex Mormonism behind, I have to fill that void with something else. So I've been trying to just read more books. Yeah. And trying yeah. to find other podcasts. And it's tough because it's like something will get my interest for a while, but it's like nothing gets my interest as much as somebody just ripping into the church, right? Like a new Radio Free Mormon episode yes, comes out. I'm right there with you. Uh, like I'll, I get a little giddy. And I get, it's not validating my anger, my decision to leave anymore. It's just like <laughs> this guy doesn't like the thing that I don't like. Yeah. And it's he does a better <laughs> job at tearing it apart than I do. And this is like a little fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's become like my guilty pleasure. It's like reality TV for me now. It's like, I don't, yeah. it's not validating yeah. my decision to leave. It's just like, this is popcorn entertainment of just like, it's as satisfying as watching like two, two Beverly Hills socialites, like getting a, getting a fisty cuffs over dinner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I, like I started listening to the Freakonomics podcast again, I've listened to philosophize this. I think I've talked to them both about both of them. I'm reading, uh, I read the big short and now I'm reading Othello. I got a no fear Shakespeare. So it does it in like the original Shakespeare on one side, plain English on the other. I'm going to read that over the next week or so. And then, uh, and then I'm going to read another, like a management book. I think I'm going to go fiction, nonfiction, fiction, nonfiction, just bounce, bounce through. But there's a lot of other stuff to read. And I think, you know, if I want it to be like tomorrow, I will be over it hundred percent. I won't. Yeah, but over enough time of replacing my life with other things, I will. You, we were watching Thor Ragnarok with the kids, and they were talking about the eternal flame. And my kids asked me what the word eternal means, hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I can't remember not knowing what that word means." Yeah, but it's kind of like this wake-up call where it's like, "Oh, my kids haven't been taught about eternal families, and they don't know what the word eternal means." Yeah, <laughs> and that's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's something to be proud of. I'm so proud of you, Bishop. <laughs> um, but it, but like it, if I wanted that moment to happen overnight, it, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to replace it. You got to, and I mean, don't get stuck in the ex Mormon simulation. 
right? Like you were already stuck in the Mormon simulation that we talked about in the last episode where you're doing these weird hand signs and nobody knows what they mean. Uh, it's all a secret. But then you get into ex-Mormonism and there's a lot of the same stuff. There's a lot of the same like, you know, oh, we say this, we don't say that, you know. This is, this is how it is, and actually, you know, this is this, and did you hear what the prophet said? And, you know, the still-consuming general conference content, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, like, we still do all of that, and it's hard, it's hard to leave behind, but at, at some point, you got to wonder, like, is this just my new religion? Like, I think yeah. that like it becomes that for a while. Yeah, I and mean, I think... we open this podcast like it's church, right? Yeah, um, you know, yeah. like this is a simulation <laughs> of the simulation that is sacrament meeting, right? That is a yeah. simulation of some older, you know, sacrament rituals. That is a simulation of a thing that happened in the New Testament. That is the Last Supper, right? Yeah, which was a simulation yeah. of something that happened even earlier than that. Do you think we should Probably. have a crucifixion at the end of this podcast to kind of wrap up the whole Easter story, right? Like we have the Last <laughs> Supper, we open it, you know. <laughs> I, as long as I'm not the special guest, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> no, no, you're the assassin of the Lord. We, we've taken this a little too far now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kidding. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Remember six months ago when you said this was becoming like its own religion? Um, <laughs> we've taken this too far, guys. <laughs> like if you if you want to know about the religion of ex-Mormonism, like sort the subreddit by most controversial, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Right? And you'll That's find, a struggle I feel like find, I have, right? Find the things you can't say. Yeah. You'll find the blasphemies. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying there, Brother Porter? I think that's a struggle I still kind of have right now is that void, right? Because you're talking about reading other books. Like you, you have all this time now and you have no restrictions on what you can read, right? You're not having to look at anything through the lens of Mormonism now. You can just look at it for whatever you want to be interested in, read it, whatever, you know, perspective you want to have. But I think for me, I just feel very bitter still with the idea of organized religion. And I don't want to be bitter. You know, I, I, I would love to be able to get on my knees morning and night, pray and feel like there's, you know, this heavenly father out there. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm atheist necessarily, but... And I was talking to my wife about it because she was raised Seventh-day Adventist and she still goes on Saturday. And, and I try to be respectful. Like I tell her, we're very, you know, we communicate about it. I tell her, like, you know what I went through? The Mormon church, you know, how I feel about, you know, a group of men telling me, hey, this is our interpretation of the Bible, any scripture. And so I have a real problem with it. But I think it's hard because then it's like, well, what do I do to fix that? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've picked up the Bible a few times and I'll read it. But then what I find myself doing is I get kind of bored and then I end up reading other books about biblical history and then I start getting more confused about interpretations and I start feeling like I'm right back to Mormonism in a sense with a bunch of people pointing the fingers at each other saying, well, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. And then everyone trying to like find some historical archaeological evidence to say, well, aha, this is my smoking gun. This is proof, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and I start getting overwhelmed with that and I kind of go back to this place of, okay, I, I don't know what to believe. But I also don't want to live my life just lazy because, you know, if God is real and there is a Heavenly Father, I don't want to show up one day in the afterlife and go, well, you know, I use Mormonism as an excuse and being burned by it to never, ever, you know, get into another religion or ever really worship God. Or, and, but I'm very confused. And I think that's the struggle I have right now is kind of figuring out what I do believe now with all the simulacra and simulation and with every religion, then with society in general, then with, you know, just – that's the big struggle for me is where do you go next and how do you find some type of like validation, you know, that 
like this isn't just kind of like you know if, if there i don't know if i'm making a, sense of that i just feel kind of yeah if there ahead, is a sorry. god if there is a god is he doing a very good job it's like the question i well ask I, myself right. Right? like i because i well what if it is true what if it what if there was he doing a very good job of kind of showing the world where that is he's doing a shit job so if <laughs> i die and have to talk to him face to face with full confidence say hey you kind of screwed up yeah. <laughs> right. the road signs weren't very clear <laughs> yeah you did a pretty right. shit job here buddy yeah i've got this i've yeah. got this great book about management um that'll that'll help you get on the right path there uh heavenly father um Perfect. yeah but i, I is it the lds uh, guidebook on- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh it's yeah it's the the handbook it's handbook one or two or whatever um yeah <laughs> yeah so i i i mean to to what you're saying brother porter it's like i think one mormonism makes great atheists um and and yeah you know like it, it does like it ruins god for a lot of people um because the mormon yeah. god sucks like he's awful yeah um but then i think i think too i think that's a big thing is like when you're in ex-Mormonism, um, there's kind of this uh, desire to, like, the Mormon God is God, right? Like, Bishop, you talk about the God doing kind of a garbage job. Well, what if it's some other God, right? Like, who doesn't care? Who is, isn't interventionist, right? Like, if it's the Christian job, God, yeah. like, he, yeah, okay, he's doing a bad job. If it's... Um, you know, like whatever, whatever God, right? So it's kind of something like that meaning and stuff. I think you have to find it for yourself. And, um, and I think in ex-Mormonism, we're still obsessed with the Mormon God. Um, but yeah, maybe there isn't a God and maybe that doesn't matter. Um, maybe there is, and maybe that still doesn't matter. Right. Um, I think it's something that you have to you know, it's, it's a personal journey and personal experience. Um, for me, I uh, personally, I've looked under every rock in the universe and there is no God. So, um, I figured it out. Uh, I can give you the roadmap to looking under every rock, but wait, way to go. Yeah, I'm pretty good. (laughs) But I like RFM talked about this, uh, in his Mormon stories interview, like as he was reading more world literature, he's like, this is scripture. This is our modern scripture. Yeah. I think like the Bible wasn't written by people who thought they were contributing to a book. Yeah. You know, it was their own writings placed in their own time about the things they were dealing with. And uh, so let's read the things in our time that talk about what we're dealing with. As long as it's not somebody peddling the answer to the riddle of life. Have you read the secret? (laughs) Yeah, right. uh, what's what's yeah, Oprah recommending yeah. this week? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I, like anybody who tells you they know the answer is lying, I know that. Yeah, yeah, because um, there isn't one. Well, and I almost feel like I've hit this point now with the idea of not there not being a god. Things I never thought I'd be able to like become comfortable with are now things I'm like you know I, it may be you know and I'm and there's and it's okay like I have to just accept you know a lot of different alternatives that I never would have, I think ever 
considered if I was, you know, still Mormon. And so I'm in a weird way, I'm grateful for that. Like you think, oh my gosh, you lose everything, you have this void. But I feel like the, the positive side is it's really opened up my my mind to things I never would have been open to before. And and with that comes some comfort and peace of just addressing those things that were really scary that I felt like I had to control by being Mormon that now I can go, you know what? I don't have answers to all that stuff, you know, yeah. and you kind of learn, learn to live your life, I think, with that different perspective, too. Yeah. And honestly, so I feel like Mormonism very much made me feel like I had to control everything in my life. Everything I was doing had a, had a reason behind it. And just, yeah. The void's not so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is kind of, this has been an interesting deconstruction of ex-Mormonism, I think. Um, and, and an interesting look at kind of our own, um, post-Mormon religion and culture. Uh, and there, I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but I think, you know, at some point, um, you got to move on. You don't have to stop talking about Mormonism. You don't have to like, if, if somebody asks you about it, if somebody like wants to know answers, it's okay to have the answers. You don't have to say like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't give people the CES letter anymore. You know, like you don't have to live like that. But I don't know. And that's why um, we're happy to announce this is our final episode. Just kidding. It's, it's not, I think. You know, we can't leave this thing alone. Uh, <laughs> we like the simulation too much. The stake's good. So, um, yeah, any closing thoughts from you guys? None for me. I just really enjoyed this three-part series. Yeah, I yeah. really like the topic. So I thought you guys, it was a great topic you came up with. Yeah, it's, it's been fun, and uh, we've been happy to have you, Brother Porter. Um, please come back whenever. Even if we stop uh, stop posting, maybe uh, maybe you can just send a recording, and I'll put it on the feed for, for people. Perfect. Uh, I think we will probably post any recording. Any listener out there who wants to be on the show, just record your rant, and we'll post it. No questions asked. We're giving up. This is <laughs> this is us giving up. Bishop and yeah. I have talked about this. Won't even pre-screen it. Just put it right on. <laughs> well, no, we'll sign that scene. No, I want to <laughs> pre-screen it. I, I got to pre-screen it, just um, in case it's racist or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, that's another thing too. Like speaking of the simulation, we carry weird things out with us. Like there's a lot of misogynistic ex-Mormons. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of people and you recover from Mormonism one thing at a time, right? Like you're misogynist today. Maybe that's what you work on for tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you're yeah. homophobic tomorrow. Well, work on that for the next day, right? Uh, there's a lot to unpack <laughs> and, and unravel and. Okay. Speaking of like newfound yeah. religions, why do you have to work on that? Why do you have to work on that? Um, well, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not. Like right. defending those positions but i'm saying is there actually a reason or is it just like nope this is what you have to do now you've left the church now you have to march in the gay pride parade and and support women's rights <laughs> i'm not saying you have like, to march why do, in the gay why do pride i have parade. to do that why do i have to work on this I i'm think... not saying that people shouldn't but i'm saying do you does anybody have a reason for that or do they just walk into the one simulation to the next i am now in this you know, liberal world where I need to care about these. Co Why? Bishop, anybody, you're, no, you're everybody's <laughs> too busy thinking about what they should do. They're not thinking about if they like why they should. You're uh, 
you're starting this conversation with seven minutes left on this call. Okay, sorry. Um, so maybe that's Do you even something... have like, okay, do you have an elevator pitch for why? Yeah, okay, my ele- elevator <laughs> pitch is I would, I would put that as one of the toxic things that the church has taught. Once you, you know, once you barrel down to it, I, d- I don't think that there are any good reasons to be why is it homophobic? toxic like toxic is another buzzword that's just like this it is, is toxic. another buzzword. My toxic right. parents my You're toxic right. parents my toxic <laughs> government toxic workplace everything's toxic what it, the toxins from my body right that's what kidneys are for yeah okay yeah don't do a you detox don't need diarrhea okay. pills to <laughs> don't don't detox do your body pills. that's liver and, liver and kidneys so what makes it toxic like why is it toxic it's toxic because it leads to just disrespecting people why, like, like why, they're, okay, they're so why is that? Too. What, they're humans right, too. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But you so know, why like do they what, what makes, be... what makes their life and their interests less valuable than yours? Right. That's why That's I, I don't but, evangelize well, okay, so you... ex-Mormonism because people, people believe what they want to believe or what they do believe. And yeah, that that's their business. You know, yeah. when, when they're ultimately ready to leave the church as all people will be, um, the true gospel of ex-Mormonism will be here and waiting for them. Um, so that, that's what I, that's what I say to that. Okay. Yeah. I think it's pre-programmed. I think it's just a lifetime of feeling like you have to have this purpose and you have to have this, like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just all part of that pre-programmed BS to people. get out. Yeah. Like I'm religious about bike lanes now. So, you know, that's, uh, we have to have a position on everything. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you absolutely, absolutely do. Um, Costa Vida or Cafe Rio? Right. What's the difference? What What is the difference? <laughs> I I have one friend who says there is a very big difference, and that's that Cafe Rio was first, and that's why it's better. Um, that's her reasoning, and good for her. I don't care. I just want to try leche cake. Okay. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, any any other final thoughts, Bishop? Do you want to attack no. me some more that, about why be... I like tres leche? Okay, I like tres leche. It's a tasty cake. Have you ever had one? It's delicious. So I okay, I'll, I'll accept your testimony. I'll just be clear. Like I'm not. Miso- I try not to be misogynistic or homophobic. I'm more just pushing against the idea of you have to accept ideology X, and it's like, well, yeah. why do I have to? That's, yeah. I think that's a valid question yeah. about anything is why do I have to, or yeah. why should I, Yeah. instead of just, you're right. I should, I should just you're do right. whatever yeah. the next person at the front of the room tells me to. You're right. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I agree with you, what you're, no, just kidding. Um, you should hear mine and Bishop's <laughs> conversations off air. Um, gets pretty, pretty heated, but I think I've baptized him. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think things are getting better. Um, yeah. Anyways, this has been delightful. Um, I want to uh, I want to say these things. I guess if we're done, are we done? Are we done? Mm-hmm. Am I closing? We're done. Okay. Yeah. Um, close. Thank you, everybody, for your words and your thoughts. Uh, we have truly felt the spirit here today, and I just want to say these things in the name of John Delin, Bill Real, and RFM. Uh, uh, I just did the crossing. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah. That John yeah. Delin, Bill Real, and testicles, RFM. wallet, and watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and don't forget Jeremy Runnels, Heavenly and, Mother. And Jeremy Runnels and, uh, and um, you know, uh, Lindsay Hansen Park. 
Oh, and, Kate Kelly. And Kate Kelly and Nuance Ho <laughs> and Maven and um, and Bryce Blankenable. We'll throw him in there too. Why not? You know, um, he is the spirit of ex-Mormonism. Truly, <laughs> truly, truly he is. Um, I guess, uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs>